morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whatever it is, wherever you are today. I'm Ali Amagasu, and you're listening to the latest episode of Cloud Unfiltered. Today I'm at KubeCon. I'll be here all week. And uh, my first guest of the, sh- of the entire week is James Bose. Am I pronouncing your last name right, James? Yes, you are. James uh, works for Manifold, and he gave a great talk this morning. And I was actually, I'll admit, I was interested in the talk even before I came here and heard it. I'm really glad it was good because it <laughs> caught my eye in the abstract. I went, oh, I really want to, he- I really want to see that. I hope it's good. You know, sometimes you get there and you're like, oh, this is very disappointing. But this was great. Um, I thought you. you brought up a lot of really interesting elements about cloud jumping. Um, and cloud jumping honestly isn't something that I've never heard anyone on our show use that term. Mm. And that's part of what caught my attention. Yeah. Um, but I think as we work into a world of hybrid cloud and multi-cloud and ev- nobody just committing to one cloud and staying there anymore, um, this is a new term that has my interest in. So it makes sense. So what is cloud jumping? Yeah, um, the idea behind cloud jumping is just literally to jump from one cloud to another. So to take you know, most of your application workload and move it wholesale from one system to another versus a uh, multi or hybrid, like a multi-cloud setup where you'd be running in you know, two or more public cloud providers or a hybrid cloud setup where you might have uh, you know, your on-prem cloud or your private cloud as well as the public cloud. So it's really just about um, transitioning between two. So. Now, why would you do that? What's the, what's the upside of that? Because um, you've you yeah. got to learn to use special tools on each different cloud, right? They have their own tool sets and their own... Yeah, so, but in a way, you, you have to do that less now with Kubernetes, yeah. right? So, and that's part of why it was feasible for us, was that, uh, you know, we're targeting the Kubernetes API for most of our, like, day-to-day operational work. Uh, that's how we deploy our code. That's how we, to some degree, define our network topology. So, um, you know, the the downsides are sort of mitigated by that. So so you said us. Mm. I didn't ask you in the beginning. You work for Manifold. What is yeah. it that Manifold does? Yeah, so we are a, um, uh, a marketplace for developer-focused SaaS products. So um, if you want to get a managed database or a logging provider, SMS messaging, you know, we, we sell these and we make it easy to... Uh, Manager your costs and your billing on that, and um, and also to provide configuration, sort of to get your configuration for all these different services uh, into your application. So that's why you know um, using managed services is is appealing to me because it's part of what we do at work. <laughs> right. Yeah. How long have you guys been around? Uh, just uh, about two years now. So yeah. And so the case for cloud jumping is primarily cost savings, or is it? Yeah, to, to some degree. So for us, we built, uh, we started with a sort of traditional infrastructure mm-hmm. on EC2, like auto scaling with VMs, uh, and then we migrated to Kubernetes about a year ago mm-hmm. when managing that infrastructure just became a bit too burdensome. So, mm-hmm. you know, as, as we added new services, you have to duplicate all of these pieces that are sort of much lower level. Uh, with Kubernetes, we're working at a higher level, so it's sort of lighter weight. Um, but we built that Kubernetes cluster on our own. So we you know, built the control plane and all of the sort of the node pool for running the workloads. Um, this was before Amazon offered their managed Kubernetes service. So, right. Uh, it got to the point where we didn't really want to spend the time that we were spending you know, uh, administering our control plane. 
So we were looking to see, you know, what, what's the, the cost-benefit analysis there between taking the time to move from the existing cluster we have to a brand new one mm -hmm. uh, versus continued maintenance of the control plane. And in addition, uh, with, with some providers, they'll provide management of your, your nodes as well. So instead of worrying about virtual machines and the, the Kubernetes sort of software running on them, you can work at a higher level, you know, and just worry about your containers and let the cloud provider worry about all of the lower level parts. Right. Yeah. So you cloud jumped. We're in the process. You're in the process. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I was going to say, is yeah. this something that you envision you can see a company doing once or doing m on the regular? Can it eventually become so... You know, easy probably isn't the right word. <laughs> Standardized, maybe. <laughs> yeah, and there's, I guess, a, a few answers to that question. Um, you know, the the joke you could make is that you could continue to jump between the the big cloud providers and get credit credits every time for a new account. Right, they're always lowering the prices <laughs> and. Yeah, um, but every time you do sort of move between um, platforms or. It's the same way of sort of having a, a development environment versus your production environment or spinning up uh, ephemeral environments for testing. You're sort of making your entire infrastructure more resilient to that and uh, and also more flexible in a way. Uh, I think that sort of one of those things that the more often you do it, you get better at it. And, yeah, you could get to the point where, you know, you are moving your, your workloads like wholesale continually. Agile. Yeah, <laughs> or you're you're doing like um, you know, you're following cost trends between providers. So you're looking for where the lowest sort of spot instances are available, and that might be between uh, regions for a, a provider or between different providers entirely. Uh, so, you know, there's there's a future for that for sure. Clearly, there are a lot of people interested in in hearing about that this morning. I really yeah. thought that was wild. There were a lot of people at your talk, mm. and uh, and so there must be other people who are thinking, yeah, I'd like to I'd like to cloud jump, but it does seem like it would be a heavy lift. Yeah. So you did a cost-benefit analysis. Um, I'm going to ask you for your top tips in uh, in a minute, but mm. I, I assume that probably doing a cost-benefit analysis is one of them, right? Because... Yeah, yeah. Uh, so for our team, the uh, the people that we have managing our infrastructure their time would be better spent developing applications. So we have we have money, but we don't have time, right? Right. So it's better if we can to pay someone else to do it. Yeah. And in some ways, like paying one of the public, the big cloud providers to manage your Kubernetes infrastructure, you actually save money because they'll run the control plane for you at either a reduced cost or free. You know, and I'm sure it's economies of scale to some degree or whatever. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Interesting. Okay, so then I'm going to come around to. I mean, this was the meat of your talk. I did. I did attend your talk this morning, and I really enjoyed it. And so, if I'm someone in that audience, and uh, or someone who, more importantly, who couldn't be in that audience, but yeah. who's hearing this podcast, um, and I'm interested in the idea of, of cloud jumping, what would your top tips be for that? Yeah. So, person? I mean, the, I guess the the first one is that uh, Kubernetes does help a lot, and it's. Part of or the big benefit you get with Kubernetes just from moving to Kubernetes is using this API for defining your deployments or like periodic jobs or just one-off batch jobs. Um, that is an API that's common across all major cloud providers and it's supported by them. 
So with all of these managed Kubernetes services, you're having you have a way to interface with the clouds that's common between them, and that's sort of the first time that something like that has happened. You know, it's been a while since there was some method of deploying code that was just sort of the standard, and maybe it was just copying your code over to like a PHP server. You know? Yeah. Um, so the the big tip there is that just in moving to using Kubernetes, you have a lot of a lot more flexibility in being able to move between cloud providers. Okay. As sort of the common platform. Yeah. Um, so tip that's tip one. Mm. I know you had more than that during the conference. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Next tip might be um, when looking at which of your so eventually you're going to start moving your applications over, and um, you're going to need to decide where to start and where to end. And, you know, I think it's important to look at which of your applications has sort of low coupling to the other one. So if you have something that is relatively isolated, not using too many other services and not being used by too many other services and maybe not as critical to your business. So perhaps it's just like a, you know, a sub part of your web page that just handles like, the contact info or something. Yeah. Um, you know, that can be a good place to start. So you can move your code over and, and start to see, like, all right, does this work? Did my Was my cluster set up properly? Does it behave how I expect? Uh, but that's also a good place to end, right? <laughs> it's, it's to leave your sort of least important things for the end. Right. Um, uh, the other thing, though, is that if if you have systems and applications that are so sort of non-critical to you, um, you know, you, you may not want to migrate them. You know, like shadow IT is a real thing, right? And as much as you want to consolidate everything in one location, someone somewhere will be running something somewhere else. Yes. So, you know, you might, you could embrace it to some degree. Oh, just... my, I usually have a co-host for this, yeah. for this show. Uh, his name's Pete Johnson. Pete, I'm sorry you couldn't be here. He actually submitted a paper about a uh, serverless, uh, yeah. serverless project he's working on. It didn't get picked, so yeah. he's not here. But uh, his one of his favorite sayings is, it's not shadow IT, it's just getting work done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it would be nice to have a platform that was the platform of choice for everyone in your company. But that's sort of the goal that you have to reach rather than forcing everyone. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, next tip. Oh, we had talked about... Um, about hybrid and, and multi-cloud and how this comes into cloud jumping. And I guess one tip is to to understand what your end goal is, right? So if you're if you are just migrating from one provider to another, and your your end goal is to move everything over, and not to maintain running between two cloud providers, then uh, the steps you take to get there are going to be different. You're going to be using different systems. Uh, you know, if, you, if you're doing just a migration between providers, uh, doing round-robin round DNS is, you know, may be sufficient for you while you're in the middle of the migration process. Uh, but if you plan on, you know, long-term running in, in multiple clouds, maybe you have a setup for, like, multi-region to be geographically closer to certain user bases, you're going to want a different setup. You might want to do, like, GeoDNS or have some other system in front that's doing sort of more intelligent routing and load balancing. Interesting. Yeah, you did bring up the, the the fact that this is not it's not a it's not cloud it's not a multi or hybrid cloud. Yeah. Um, but it's that's interesting um, because I feel like right now all anybody's talking about is that everything's becoming multi cloud, yeah. hybrid cloud, yeah. and how on earth would you operate with just one cloud provider yeah. anyway? Yeah. 
And so do you think you guys are kind of an anomaly if you're, if you're jumping from one provider to the other and you don't have a multi-cloud? I think we're small enough now where we don't have to, <laughs> to worry about it. And uh, I think that the, the next step for us will be to go sort of you know, multi-cluster rather than multi, multi-provider. So probably stay, stay with the same high-level provider. And, All right. Yeah. All right. Throw, me, throw another tip at me. Yeah. In the same way about thinking, like, you know, thinking about where you're going, uh, it's, it's always easy to sort of over-engineer solutions um, although it ends up being harder. And I think we as an industry have a tendency to you know, want to do everything ourselves. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the process of migrating from one provider to another, Kubernetes involved or not, is fairly well understood for a lot of systems. Um, so get help. You know, there, if you have the, the budget for it, there are lots of professional services companies that uh, that can help you, you know, do this. So, yeah, that's. Uh, but you guys did it yourselves, right? We. So what happened is that the requirements that we had, sort of the, the pressures from running a, a system that began to get more and more traffic. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to keep maintaining that system, and it takes away from the time that we can move off to the other one. So we're sort of playing catch up, oh, right? Okay. And that's the point where we, you know, we said, okay, let's. Let's see if we can get help with this. Yeah. So we, you know, we're able to focus on the application level, uh, building our applications, but also making the changes we need to make so that they are able to run on, you know, different providers, depending on, you know, what we need to use for object storage. So do we need to, you know, add something, uh, add an additional library so that we can speak to like S3 and some other object storage? So we can focus on this these parts. And the you know, the professional services company can come in and they can take some of our time. We can work together, sort of diagram the infrastructure, and they can come up with a plan for, you know, how they will apply their standard practice to moving our, like, migrating our databases. You know. Right, yeah. right. Well, that's cool. That's good to know you guys You guys are, are headed in that direction that you, that you recommend it. Um, you know, I saw a bunch of people come up and ask you questions afterward, as yeah. is always the case at these yeah. talks. Um, what were people asking? Did they did they have some astute technical questions, or did um, they just need more detail on your tips, or was there anything in there that surprised you? Yeah, so I think what surprised me the most was, um, you know, it's it's people who are there, there's actually a lot of people who are asking me about how they might do it for their customers <laughs> rather than for <laughs> for oh, themselves. Really? Yeah, huh. so that's interesting. Um, but, you know, depending on the size of your organization, your customer can be another part of your organization. Absolutely. So, um, and then asking about different different cloud providers. So, you know, I, in in our evaluation, we focused on the big three, but that's by no means the end of the story, right? So, talking or asking about how you might evaluate some of these other cloud providers for uh, for your needs. So, you know, our focus has been to reduce the amount of time that we have to spend maintaining the cluster. So we're looking for a managed control plane, we're looking for managed nodes, and then we're looking for a cloud that has um, enough sort of managed database services or other other parts where we can leave the heavy lifting to someone else. And so that's the, my advice is to look for those things. You know? Right, yeah. right. All right, I just wonder what you were fighting through that mob there. <laughs> 
Um, all right, back to the, uh, the, the I, I, I took us down a detour for a moment, yeah. but uh, I'd love to get a few more of your tips before we wrap up. Yeah, so the, um, there's two around state and, and data. Um, and that's always going to be the biggest, or usually will be the biggest issue when migrating, you know, is if your data is sort of has a high gravity to a single location, you know, reaching that escape velocity to move it is, is going to be tricky. So we, we have to do a, sorry, go ahead. No, well, I was just going to say, and that kind of, be, that, you know, earlier I was talking to you about uh, private cloud. Yeah. And just how, you know, Mirantis today announced their, yeah. you know, Kubernetes on-prem solution. Mm. AWS announced one last week. Google a couple months before that. It, it makes the case that in, in some in some cases, maybe you don't ever reach escape velocity with all that data. Yeah, right. It, there's, it, it may be sufficient enough for you to have a nice API for your application level to, to work with in your existing data center, and that's a okay. But there are sort of beyond the sort of core, you know, like main data that you have for your systems. There's some other sort of tiny bits of data that may, and state that may be floating around. And um, sort of two weird tricks that I think Kubernetes helps with for that is uh, when you start to think about your workloads with pods where you have, you can have you know one or more container running co-located with sort of special privileges between each other, then it changes how you may have architected uh, your systems. So if you had two pods that, or two containers that you didn't know were running right next to each other, then and you needed them to share state, then you know there would have to be some third system in play. Uh, we had some some applications where we were doing sort of caching to a uh, a storage layer, mm -hmm. you know, through one system, and then another application would be reading from it to serve this data. Uh, but with a with a pod setup, we can just use an ephemeral volume there and have two containers running next to each other and have one write into it and the other read out. So they're, you know, it means that we're going to be duplicating this data across all of the pods, but it's not a large amount of data. It is sort of just a, a cache. It's okay if it goes away because we can rebuild it. Uh, but it means we don't have to worry about handling that storage layer. Storage is still tricky in Kubernetes. Okay, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that absolutely makes sense. Did you see the keynote this morning where the guy was uh, reading the children's book they had written about the pods? Yeah. I yeah. literally was, while you were talking, I was seeing the illustration of the <laughs> raccoons or meerkats or whatever represented pods in that yeah. particular book. You'll have to look at the book. It's Kubernetes for children, or there's a giraffe and a zebra. If he goes to the zoo. There you yeah. go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, and they're selling stuffed animals at the... Yeah. Or giving them away. I'm not sure if they're selling them or giving them away. At the I think it depends on which booth you go to. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I've seen them everywhere. I see everybody with stuffed animals coming out of their yeah. bags. The things you're missing out on if you're not at this show. <laughs> cool. Well, is that the end of your uh, your tip list for anybody thinking about cloud jumping? Any final uh, thoughts you'd like to pass along to the to those considering such a move? Uh, no, I think that covers it, yeah. That covers it? Yeah. Okay, then my final, um, my closing question for you is one we usually do at the beginning of this show. Mm -hmm. And it's, how did you get into tech? What's your story? Were you were you coding from a, you know, from when you were in junior high? Did you accidentally fall into it during college? Did you what was what was your original career path? Yeah, um, my original career path was uh, by organic chemistry, but that didn't last very long. Really? Uh, yeah, I didn't didn't even make it to actually 
uh, you know, first class in university before switching. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. But uh, Who talked you out of it? Uh, a, a friend of the family who was a professor told me to get into mechanical engineering. Uh, and so I went with computer science instead. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Are you glad you did it? Yeah, yeah. But I, you hadn't been coding as a kid or? I, you know, wrote the, your sort of 10 print high James, 20 go to 10 in, sure. in, on that Commodore 64. But, <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. I really appreciate you recapping uh, the information you shared about cloud jumping this morning. It was a good talk. Thank you. And uh, have a great rest of your show. Hey, you too. All right.